ask you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord today. I've just had a feeling all week long that God was going to do something great in this service. So here's what I need you to do. Before we read our scripture, would you do this? We do this every Sunday. Would you be a social media missionary with me, please? And everyone get your smart device real quick and share this service. And that way, thousands of people will be able to enjoy the message that you are about to enjoy. Can you say amen to that? Amen. If you'll just share it right now, we would really appreciate, appreciate that. If you go to Quest Church Facebook and just share this service, someone will be touched by the word of the Lord today just because you shared it. If you're a first-time guest right after church today, if you will meet us over in that area where it says connect, right over there on this side of the sanctuary, we want to meet you and give you a gift and highly encourage you to come back next week. And the church said amen to that. We've had 50 families join our church in 2020. We're excited about every one of those families. When you have Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, we're going to read one verse. And when I start reading it, you could probably finish it because it's so familiar to all of us. But I'm believing God for fresh insight this morning. And I know that God is going to touch you in a powerful way. Proverbs 29 verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law. Happy is he. He that keeps the law. In Hebrew, the word law means he that keeps the instruction and the direction of God. Happy is that man. I'm going to preach a message this morning called One Vision. Say that with me. One Vision. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for an open heaven over this sanctuary. Lord, we speak to every principality and power and ruler any spiritual authority in heavenly places that would diametrically oppose the revelation of this word for the people in this sanctuary, and we tell them to back up in Jesus' name. Father, we break every generational curse today. We dismiss any generational spirit, and we pray, God, your anointing would just flow through this place today. Because where the anointing is, the yoke is broken. Where the anointing is, there is revelation. Where the anointing is, there is a refreshing. Where the anointing is, there is a renewal. And Father, we thank you for that anointing today that leads us and guides us in all truth. Because when we arrive at truth, we are made free. So let truth have its way today in Jesus' name. One more time before you sit down, let's give Jesus the biggest praise that we've given him all day long. Come on. Come on, y'all. I'm talking about that kind of shout that'll make the walls of Jericho fall. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Tomorrow, this nation will pause to celebrate a man and his dream. Martin Luther King Jr. carried a dream of integration that would be constructed by the vision of what is called interrelated reality. How many of you are ready for the word today? This dreamer said these words, all mankind is tied together. All mankind is tied together. All life is interrelated. And we are all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. 
tied in a single garment of destiny. We are tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. For some strange reason, I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality. One vision. His greatest quote, this preacher said these words, I have a dream. And he goes on to explain that that dream is a dream of integration. All for that dream to live with vitality in the day that we inhabit. Oh, how we need someone to cry from the mountaintop, we are one. I was thinking about the church universally and then the Lord narrowed my focus down to us as individuals. And he very specifically instructed me in prayer this morning. I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to preach to you as if you are the only one in the sanctuary. And he brought me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 16. And he says these words, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Hmm. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I think we all understand that the words dream and vision work interchangeably. Many times we supplement the word dream with the word vision and likewise the word vision with the word dream. But as I studied and prayed this morning, Acts chapter 2, I found a secret to understanding the difference between a vision and a dream. He said the old dream dreams. Now before you think that means age, let me explain it to you. It means those who are advanced in life, which means those that have an advantage in regards to wisdom. I know many young men that are wiser than some older men. And I know some older men that have more vitality than younger men. But he said the old dream dreams. The young see visions. I started putting that together in my soul. And I thought it is so true that dreams come to us. Visions come through us. 
We welcome dreams, but we work on vision. Yeah. Dreams are God-given, but visions are God-driven. Dreams are God-given, but visions are God-driven. Dreams are conceived. Visions are constructed. Maybe that's why God said, I'll give dreams to the advanced. But I'll give vision to those who still have strength and energy. Interesting. Martin Luther King not only had a dream, he had a vision. Just as he knew that he was the one to carry one vision to bring about a movement called the Civil Rights Movement in this nation, so also you must realize, you, you must realize that you are the one that God desires to use to bring about change in your world to bring about change in your family, to bring about change in your life. It's high time for us to stop looking around for someone else to bring the change that God has anointed us as individuals to not only initiate but to implement in this earth simply because he saw you, he knew you, he called you, he saved you. He filled you with his spirit. He sanctified you. He gave you an assignment. And now he looks to you with great expectation for the manifestation of the mission that he sent you into this earth to accomplish. Dreams or thoughts that visited your mind and you allowed them to become residents. Dreams or thoughts that visited your mind and you allowed them to become residents. Vision is when the resident goes to work building a future reality. Say it again, Pastor Rick. Dreams are thoughts that you allowed to visit your mind as residents. But vision is when the resident goes to work. Building a future reality. When I was putting this together, I felt this in my spirit. Until you value your own dream on the level of a vision, do not expect a change to your present condition. Because a dream without faith is a mere fantasy. Because faith without works, is dead. You can dream all you want to dream, but until you put your dream to work and start calling what you dreamed about the vision of your future, you will never change. And until you can see your place, yourself in a better place, I'm sorry, until you can see yourself at a better place, welcome to your future. You will never enjoy the change that you refuse to work for. God has never been 
an imaginary Santa Claus. He's never been a cosmic bellhop. God has never just showed up passing stuff out. You qualify for everything God distributes. God is good. Our text says where there is no vision, the people perish. But happy is the man that keeps the law. For the first time today, I've read that scripture in the last 40 years of ministry. Can you believe that? In March, I'll be in ministry 40 years. It's a long time. Been saved going on 45 years. And I've read that passage of scripture, there's no telling how many times. And when I read it today, this morning at about 4.15 or something like that, two words jumped off the page. You ever had words just jump off a page and just slap you around a little bit? Basically saying, you've looked over me too many times, buddy. Pay attention. And these two words stood out where there is two words right here. No vision. See, it's hard to preach the power of vision until you address the lack of vision. It's hard to understand how much potential vision carries with it until you get a proper understanding of having no vision. Notice that he doesn't say that it's okay to not have a vision. I'm going to say that again. It's not okay to not have a vision. He doesn't mean nothing will happen if you have no vision. For too long we've read that as if to say, well, if I have no vision, nothing happens. The total opposite is true because he's saying if there is no vision, there's an absolute consequence. Say it again, Pastor Rick. If there is no vision, there's an absolute consequence. The result of having no vision is people perish. I'll say it again. The result of having no vision is people perish. It is not just our right to have vision. It is your responsibility to have vision. You are responsible for vision. So he doesn't say the person perishes who has no vision. He said the people perish when there is no vision. So not only are you jeopardizing your own future, but you are jeopardizing the future of those that are connected to you for your lack of vision. You frustrate everyone when you refuse to draw out a future. People 
perish. Where there is no vision, here's the Hebrew, the people cast off restraint. I've preached that many times, that when there is no vision, people cross lines. When there is no vision, what started out as an asset suddenly becomes a liability. Where there is no vision, the people let go. Where there is no vision, I'm reading the etymology from the Hebrew to you right now. The people lose hope. A man without a future will always return to his past. A man without a vision will revert to his previous condition. Oh, Lord have mercy. I wasn't going to read this definition, but I think I'm going to do it anyway. Where there is no vision, the people take the lead. When someone is not leading right, or someone is not leading strong, then the people become impatient and the people take the lead, and the leader becomes the follower. Study it yourself. I've learned this in life, that there's nothing that makes you want to find purpose more than facing problems. Because the problem tells you what is going on, but the purpose tells you why it's happening. So until you face the problem, you will always wander aimlessly without an assignment. It's the problem that gives you direction. I told my brother yesterday, I just feel like the church is about to enter into a season of clarification. Ooh, church, it's time for us to get off the couch. People perpetuate problems when the person refuses to accept the responsibility of purpose. Let me say it another way. Problems perpetuate themselves until somebody takes responsibility. You don't ever have to worry about problems growing. When they start, they just keep growing. They take on a life of themselves until somebody says, yes, God, I've dealt with this problem in my family long enough. So whatever sacrifices I have to make to end this vicious cycle of addiction and abuse in my family, I'm willing to take it because... I would rather live in the purpose than allow the problem to have the victory every day. 
Your lack of vision puts people in danger. I'll say it again. Your lack of vision puts people in danger, and it puts you in jeopardy. God is looking for one. God is looking for one. He's just looking for one in a family. God is looking for one in a congregation. God is looking for one in a community. God is looking for one in a nation. I sought for a man, not some men. I sought for one, not many. I just need one. That's pretty strong. So I wrote this down. If you're trying to just fit in, you give no one anywhere anything to follow. Say it one more time, Pastor Rick. If you're trying to just fit in, you are giving no one anywhere anything to follow. You are not called, young people, to fit in. You are called, all people, to stand out. I say it like this, either take the lead or sit down. Woo! Compromise has an interesting way of coloring a vague world. When you compromise your call, you learn to wander aimlessly through a life and you lay down on your deathbed and look back and realize you accomplished nothing. You just existed. Responsibility carries weight. Matter is heavy. Praise the Lord, everybody. Where there, George Washington Carver said these words, where there's no vision, there is no hope. Yeah. Where there is no vision, there is no hope. No vision, no hope. So what is vision? Someone once said, I hear music playing somewhere. I'm about to start singing. Maybe it's just me. Maybe God is just entertaining me with the melodic tunes of heaven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. A, blind's man, a blind man's world is bounded by the limits of his touch. An ignorant man's world by the limits of his knowledge. A great man's world by the limits of his vision. You've heard this quote a hundred times. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Strong. Helen Keller said that. Whew. We look with our eyes. We see with our mind. We look with our eyes, but we see where? With our mind. That's why the Bible urges you time and again to renew your 
mind. When you renew your mind, you clear your vision. If you can't think right, you'll never see right. It's the difference in peripheral vision and the vision of right perspective. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. There's a difference in things that catch our attention and hold our attention. Giovanna, on a TV set, Lord, caught my attention. Then, she held my attention. And I promise you, I never allow her to slip my attention. Why? Because she matters. You know what we pay attention to? What matters. The question is, why would you take your vision and spend it on things that have no value? If you ever learn that principle, you'll stop bothering yourself with people that don't matter. God is good. Things that hold our attention come from our value system. Don't lose me today. If we deem something valuable enough to fit in and not frustrate our vision, we will spend more time developing the understanding we need of the thing we value. Vision is born from your value system. Until you feel like you're worth it, you'll never enjoy it. You know why people never go for it? Because they don't feel like they're worth it. This is so true because it is called rooftop consciousness. That when people feel unworthy, they can reach a certain level of success and they will do whatever they have to do to bring themselves back down to what they think they're worth. Which means they will do detrimental acts of sin to bring them back themselves back down to the place that they feel they are worth. It's not the success you can't handle. It's that you don't feel worthy of the success you've achieved. So you'll pastor 2,000 people and commit adultery to get caught to bring yourself back down to the person you think you're worthy to be. All vision comes from value systems. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. People will treat you according to the value you put on yourself. If you don't value you, why should anyone else? What are you saying, Pastor Rick? You're too important to be playing games. Pastor Rick, you are preaching so good today, man. Until you feel like you're worth it, you will never enjoy it. 
I wish I could see the vision you wrote for you when 2021 started. Habakkuk chapter 2. Write the vision and make it plain. Write, let's just stop right there. Write the vision and make it plain. Some of you wrote a vision you will never attain because you will not live according to the qualifications that it will take to become that person. You're good at fantasizing. But you're not good at living out the responsibility it takes to achieve the vision that you wrote out. Write the vision means to describe the vision. Many of you can describe it, but you haven't prescribed to it. When you prescribe, it is your prescription. Prescription. Prescript. So whenever you face problems, you just take another dose of your prescription. It means to subscribe, which means to sign on. Many of you described it, but you hadn't subscribed to it. Because when you sign the paper, that means you'll make the payments. You've never seen a man that carries great vision that does not have a life of great sacrifice. Anything successful was sacrificial in its history somewhere. Many people who have inherited fortunes do not know that somewhere in their lineage, some grandfather somewhere sacrifice something so great for that young man to enjoy what he's living in. But he'll never appreciate it. He'll never understand the value because he didn't pay the price. And the likelihood of him losing something he didn't work for is very great. Write the vision. Make it plain. No vision. Vision. Well, guess what it takes to have vision? A visionary. I want to encourage you. Stop letting other people write your future. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how much money is in your bank. I don't care what city you're from, what side of the track you was raised on. Never allow other people to dictate your future. Preach Pastor Rick. Listen, no one has not only the right, they don't have the power to determine who you should be or what you should enjoy. No one does. Man didn't put you in. Man can't take you out. If God called you, God does not call people he, that he is not already qualified. You are extremely important in this earth. So much so that the hairs on your head are numbered. Now, that's not hard for God to count some of our hair. But the hairs on our head are numbered. You are so important that your de destiny is so detailed that God knows every intricate thought that you thought all the way through each day. God is not just a participant. He is totally engaged and involved in you because you are his purpose, not your person. You're not an accident. 
somebody throw a hand up and shout, I'm here on purpose. Now throw one behind and then lift that other hand and say, I'm here in purpose. Thank you, Jesus. Visionaries, all right. Visionaries. Visionary will get on your last nerve. See, visionaries are inside, inside strategizing and studying their future while other people are playing. Martin Luther King Jr. said these words, the difference between a dreamer and a visionary is that a dreamer has his eyes closed and a visionary has his eyes wide open. There's no vision without a visionary. Someone who has a vision and is able to impart it to other people. You are not a visionary when you carry a dream inside of you. You are a visionary when you impart to others the vision that God has deposited in you. Visionaries create gravitational pulls in the earth. They do it not only through their dialogue. They do it through their decision making. Visionaries know how to pull. Visionaries know how to attract. And the enemy recognizes visionaries. Some of y'all don't fight devils because you ain't carrying nothing. But let somebody say, I got a vision for my future. And every devil in hell will get up to stop what God has deposited in your spirit. I'm going to say it to you one more time. It's not your past you are fighting. You are not where you are because of what you've done. You are fighting like you are fighting because of what you are about to do. It's not your past fighting you. It's your future. The devil would not be fighting you like he's fighting you if he didn't know you was going somewhere. I'm going to go ahead and preach in a minute, but I'm going to tell you now. Some of you are going through what you're going through, not because of where you've been, but because of where you're going. And the enemy's doing everything he can to cause you to be depressed, to cause you to be despondent, to cause you to feel disqualified. But somebody at Quest Church is going to stand up today and say, enough is enough. I'm going to go on and be what God called me to be. I'm going to be everything that God should. I dare you to act like you just stepped in it right now. You just stepped in what you visualized. Woo. Woo. Hallelujah. See, there is a chemistry, a spiritual chemistry between believing and conceiving and receiving. But if you can't believe, don't think you'll ever conceive. And until you conceive, you will never receive. You got to change your faith factor. You got to get your faith back up and say, I can and I will be everything God said I am.
and everything God said I will be. And I don't care how many devils, how many curses I have to walk through. I will do it because God said. Throw your hands up and shout praise the Lord somebody. See, you've got to change your mind about stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. I was just going to teach a little bit here. But until you change your mind, you got to get a mindset that says, I'm a fighter. If I've got a future, then I have to be a fighter. There ain't nobody walking to their future without a fight. My brother standing right here on this front row will tell you we have fought for everything we've enjoyed. It wasn't handed to, to us on a silver platter. No, if you want a future, put your boxing gloves on. Strap up your boxing boots. Dance like Muhammad Ali. And tell the devil, I float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. But you're not going to defeat me. I'm going to be everything God said I'm going to be. You have to fight. Is there any fighters in the building today? You will fight for what is rightfully yours. You'll fight every devil. You'll fight every curse. You'll fight the doubt. You'll fight depression. Visionaries live with a sense. They have a certain sense about them. And here's what the sense is. I was sent here. I'm going to say it again. Get it in your spirit. Get this deep in your spirit. Because until you get this revelation, everything else I said means nothing. Get this one. You are not just born. People that only have the revelation of being born only enjoy the idea of existing. But the people with the conviction that I was sent are never satisfied until they're living in their cause. I wasn't born. I was sent. If I believed I was born, we would still be welders in Louisiana. Not that welders are bad. But I wouldn't be on this platform right now. Because I would just accept the fact that this is the flow of my life. Four generations of welders, I'm a welder. Until God shows up. And says, son, you weren't born into something. You were sent because of something. That's just whoop, 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 whoop. Psalm 105, verse 17. He sent a man. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Until the time his word came. Good God have mercy. He was sent. Yet he was sold. He was sent by God. Yet he had to become a slave. Y'all not hearing that. He was sent by God. Yet he had to wear chains. He was sent by God. Yet he had to face problems nobody else faced. He was sent by God, but he had to deal with situations no one else had to deal with. Just because you were sent into this earth does not exempt you. As a matter of fact, the mere, the mere fact that you were sent was God proving to other people watching 
that a man with an assignment can make it through any situation. In other words, God allowed you with the trouble for other people to watch. He trusted you because he knew you would not deny him. There's about five people in here getting this word here. He sent a man. So when you look at that man in Genesis 45 verse 5, Joseph now, the man that God sent who was sold into slavery as a servant. Genesis 45 5, this is Joseph speaking. Now therefore, my brothers, be not grieved. Don't even be mad at yourself. You sold me. You ever felt sold out? Joseph said, y'all sold me out. For God did send me before you to preserve life. You sold me out. But God sent me to save you. Oh, Lord have mercy. Whenever you start making it about you, it dies. You always have to make it about others. We're good at making our problems about others. But we're not good at making preservation about others. In other words, God didn't preserve you for you. God preserved you so that you could preserve others. Your whole assignment is not about you. It's about others. Verse 7 says, and God sent me, says it again, before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. What are you going to do when God says the people that sold you out, I've assigned you to? Now you got to save them. Verse 8, so now it was not you that sent me here, but God. Hold on now. It wasn't you that sold me to those Midianites. It wasn't you that threw me in that pit. Getting quiet now. It wasn't you that allowed me to go to Potiphar's house. It wasn't you that put me in prison. It was God that put me in the pit. Boy, it's getting quiet now. It was God that allowed you to sell me to the Midianites. It was God that allowed me to go to prison. It was God that allowed me to go through everything that I went through because without the difficulty, I would have never arrived at my destination. Man, people crack me up to try to live a life with no problems. It's funny to me. Like your car will never run out of gas because you are saved. <laughs> Pastor, my car is on empty, but I got so much gas because the Lord is with me. Your narrow hips going to run out of gas too. <laughs> Somebody's going to bring you a can to help you. We live life like, oh, no trouble wherever. It'll never show up. And you're forgetting the opportunity that trouble brings with it. Problem is a, problems are great promoters. Boy, it's quiet now.
So it was not you that sent me here, but God. I've been through what I've been through, not just for me, but for you. Sent ones will always stop destruction and preserve spiritual life from one generation to the next generation. When you know that you have been sent, you can survive anything. A visionary that knows he has been sent can survive anything. I'll say it again. A visionary that knows they have been sent can survive anything. I'm going to say it one last time. A visionary that knows they were sent can survive anything. Jesus still teaching. John 7, 28 in the temple cried out. Now this is when the people were trying to kill him. You know me because they were saying we know you. You that little boy from Nazareth. Watch what Jesus said. You do know me. People will always try to disqualify you because of your past. We know you. You the little boy in the neighborhood that stole people's stuff. And you, watch what Jesus said. You know me and you even know where I'm from. Watch what he says. I am not here on my own. But he who sent me is true. And you do not know him. See, the people, people, the problem with people is they think they know you, but they don't know the God that sent you. And here's what, here's what the problem is. They mad because God didn't get their permission. I'm not here on my own. Watch what he says. But he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him. Because I am from him and he sent me. I want you to say those three loud words as loud as you can. He sent me. Yes. Now you said it loud, but did you say it with conviction? I want you to say it again. Come on, three words. Come on. Yeah, he sent you. He knew you. Before you was formed in your mother's womb. I don't want to preach today. Woo! He said, I made, I've known you before you were fabricated in your mother's womb. You and I already had a conversation. I sent you into what both of us agreed to. You agreed to go and I agreed to send. Y'all missing that right now. Your mama and daddy had nothing to do with it. Woo! It don't matter if you was born in Motel 6 or Norman Regional. God sent you here and until you get that revelation you'll walk right through life feeling like an accident you are not an accident you are an assignment in this earth and the devil is terrified by anybody that has that revelation say it again God sent me God sent me as a solution, not as a problem. God sent me as an answer, not as a chaotic condition. God sent me into this earth to accomplish his will. I'll end it like this. Joseph finally looks at him in chapter 50 and he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Denoting the idea that God had a meaning before you meant anything. God already gave this whole process a meaning before you started being mean. 
you meant it for evil, but God had already devised, fabricated, and even, watch, manipulated stuff to make it work for my good. A sent man always will say this, I know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are thee called according to his purpose. A man with a real vision. I'm, I'm almost done. One more hour. A man with a real vision. Really five minutes here. A man with a real vision never allows time to manipulate his mission. A man with a real vision never allows time to manipulate his mission. What are you talking about, Pastor Rick? Caleb sees his mountain, and he ain't 45. He's 80. And he looks at Joseph and he says, give me my. I don't want yours. I don't want theirs. I only want what's mine. He said, I'm 80 years old and I'm as strong right now as I was when I was 45. He said, now give me my mountain. Some of you have felt like you've reached a season in your life, you need to quit praying about stuff and believing God for big stuff and seeing big stuff. I came by to tell you, if Caleb can say at 80, give me my mountain, then you can say at 75, give me my miracle. Boy, I'm preaching better than the people talking back today. Lord have mercy. Listen, you're never too old to enjoy what God promised you to enjoy. Abraham was 99 years old when the boy finally came out. You're never too old. A man with real vision does not allow time to manipulate his mission. I don't care how old you are. God will do what he said he would do. The vision is for an appointed time, not your time. And if it tarries, wait for it because it will show up. Woo! Hallelujah! See, a man with real vision sees trouble working for him and not against him. A man with real vision never allows time to manipulate his purpose. A man with real vision always sees trouble working for him and not against him. That's why you ought to throw your hands up and say, come on, trouble. All you do is just push me right into my purpose. All you do is just cause me to go forward in my assignment. If trouble knocks you off course, you was never sent to begin with. You, was never, you never had an assignment to begin with. You never received the revelation of being sent. That's why you can settle. You can settle for a generational curse and say that's how Papa was. Daddy was like that. That's why I'm like this. You are nobody going nowhere. Until you stand up and say, I don't care if daddy was an alcoholic, drug addict, broke down, messed up abusing. I don't care what he was. I'm not daddy. I am who God said I am. And when trouble shows up, it don't discourage me. It encourages me. See, I'll stop because I can keep going. A man with real vision never allows the talk around him to distract him. A man with real vision never allows time to manipulate the mission. A man with real vision 
never allows trouble. Are y'all with me right now? To stop him. A man with real vision never allows talk to distract him. My Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. Somebody need to be not liking you. Just look at your neighbor and say, make them talk. Make them talk. Because if they saying all good stuff about you, something ain't right. I got to stop. You go throw a story again, Anita. Just throw a shoe. Watch. Watch. Everybody say silence the chatter. The chatter ain't going to stop. There's a difference in silencing the chat, chatter and stopping the chatter. People going to talk. Let them talk. I need them to talk. I need to hear so-and-so said something in the foyer to another brother about Pastor Rick. I need that. All that gives me is fuel. It just gives me energy. It just makes me want to go on further. I love it when people bring me gossip. I said, you know what they're saying about you? I don't care. Tell me more. Because all you're doing is filling my tank with more vision and more purpose and more matter and more cause. You're giving me more reason not to stop. Somebody say, don't let the chatter bother you. So David shows up with a vision. He's looking at Goliath, who has now become his cause. And his older brother shows up next to him and says, what are you doing here? I know you. I know where you're from. I know who you are. I know how you acted. You ain't getting away with nothing, David. What are you doing here? And David looked at him and said, I ain't got time to discuss with you what I did in my past. I am here not because of what's behind me, but because of what is in front of me. And what is in front of me is a giant that is assigned to me and while you run in your mouth I'm about to take his head off so Eliab find something to do because I'm about to kill the giant that is bringing disgrace to the people of God is there not a cause give me my giant give me my mountain give me my miracle give me my opportunity I wish I had 25 Holy Ghost filled people that would give God a victory shot. The giant you are facing is the giant you are assigned to. Say it again. Don't let the chatter bother you. Let them talk. Enjoy the talk. He didn't even address it. He just looked at him and said, man, is there not a cause? He said, what'll happen? What's in the future of the man that kills this giant? And Eliab says, well, if you want to talk about it, he's going to be wealthy the rest of his life. He's going to have a seat with the king the rest of his life. And he gets his daughter. That's when David said, what she look like? And he looked at Goliath and said, you come against me with sword and shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts who you have defiled. And I am here to tell you today, 
Goliath, you are going down because you are assigned to me. Folks, let me tell you something. You have an assignment. You were sent to take the Goliath out of your family. You were sent to enjoy the mountain in your future. You were sent to have the promises of God. I'm done, but I ain't gonna quit until everybody in the building is giving God a shot of victory. Tell somebody I'm gonna get mine. Tell your neighbor I'm gonna get mine. I don't want yours, I want mine. I ain't trying to get what you got. I gotta get what God gave me. Give me my mountain. That's why Martin Luther King Jr. can say, I've been to the mountain. I've already seen the other side. You can't kill a visionary because his dream just keeps on living. And if you don't believe it's living, look around you in this sanctuary in here right now. Everybody ain't white. Everybody ain't black. Everybody ain't Asian. Everybody not Hispanic because the dream cannot die. And when a visionary, when a visionary imparts it to those who are connected to him, it never stops living. It never stops moving. It never stops breathing. And it's time for you to get your own vision, to get your own dream, and say, my family does not have to be filled with drug addicts. My family don't have to be filled with disease. My family don't have to... Say it again, God sent me. Woo. Woo. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost break out up in this building. Holy Ghost take over in this building. Holy Ghost pour out. Like our text said in Acts chapter 2. Yeah, 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 yeah. Acts chapter 2. I will pour out my spirit. Here's what I truly believe. Hold on. I'm done. Y'all don't want to have no church. That's all right. I'm ready to run, man. I'm ready to do my dance. Ain't nobody want to have no church. Watch this here. Here's what I truly believe. Acts chapter 2 where we read the Holy Ghost had already been poured out. They already speaking in tongues. And he said, but now, in this kind of move, your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. You know why dreams and visions have stopped in the house of God? Because we don't let him pour out. We want it to feel like we want it to feel. Which means we don't need Brother Mike running around in overalls. Pastor Rick jumping around screaming. We don't need all that. We got one radical man in the building. We got one radical man in the building. Some of y'all ain't ready for an outpour of the Holy Ghost. Because it'll make you stumble out the upper room.
If you're ready to dream again, I dare you to throw your head back and shout to God with a voice of hope. If you're ready to get your vision back, I dare you to give God a praise that'll silence your enemy. If you're ready to see your future, Amen. God is good, isn't he? Let the people clap their hands and shout to God with a voice of triumph one last time. Woo! I believe God's wanting to do something right now. If we're not careful, we have allowed what the church has been through for the last year to silence our praise and to steal our worship, to rob us, rob us of our expectation and anticipation of what God wants to do. The church needs to shake itself. Stop being caught up in what's in the peripheral. You can see it. That don't mean you're supposed to be involved in it. Talk back to me. It's all around you. But that don't mean you have to partake in it. Keep God first. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross. Scorning his shame. And is set down at the right hand of God. Why? To give you an open door. To give you hope. You encouragement to You're give you a future. God. Come on, lift those hands. your word come up here right now you say pastor rick this is my word come up here we'll social distance whatever we need to do come on come on if you say pastor that was my word i needed that word something in that word spoke right to me something you said hit me right in my heart come up here right now just spread out a little bit it's all good come on come on something you said in that word today pastor rick hit me right in my heart it hit me right in my heart just come on i'm gonna give you about two more minutes to come no one leave the building please no one leave. 
Don't leave till we say amen, till we close. When you get here, just lift your hands as high as you can toward heaven. God is about to pour out his spirit on you. You have a great future. Hallelujah. God is about to clear up your vision. God is about to give your dream back to you. Yes, you can. And yes, you will. Say it. Yes, I can. And yes, I will. Say it like you mean it. Come on. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. Yes, I can. And yes, I will. Come on, Jamie. Sing it one more time. Come on, lift those hands and receive today. God is not finished with you. to me say I am valuable let that sink in say it again come on I am valuable are you ready come on say it I am worth it that's right. Say it again. I'm worth it. I'm worth it. Yes, you are. You know why you're worth it? Because of his blood. Because he called you. You didn't call yourself. You didn't choose yourself. You didn't save yourself. You didn't fill yourself with the spirit. God did it. That's why you're worth it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's nobody else like you in the whole earth. God called you by yourself. 
and you shall have everything that God said you're going to have. And you're going to be everything that God said you're going to be. And I prophesy, decree, and declare to you what Paul told the church. He said these words, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you shall also complete it. I speak that to you today. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work shall also complete it.